Welcome to OK-ish, a podcast all about mental health in the modern world. I'm Mary Ellen Dance, a licensed mental health therapist, here to strip away misunderstandings about therapy and share exactly what I do in an honest way. Don't worry, you won't hear inspirational quotes or be told to spend more time doing self-care. I'm here to get to the real stuff using my own experiences as a therapist and as a really messy human being. Come and laugh at yourself with me as you learn not how to become great, but how to become okay-ish. Well, and who has really, really good marketing? So that being said, I, I'm sorry I can't go this whole podcast without talking about Rachel. Yes, I love to talk about them. <laughs> I love to hate them. It's terrible. It's like not, it is not a pretty color on me. I had a boyfriend who made me stop following Rachel Hollis on Instagram (laughs) because every time I would see something, then I would get frustrated and then I would get annoyed. And he was like, this is not healthy for you. So I've since stopped following her on Instagram. (laughs) I still follow her. But (laughs) I I hate following her. I know. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I was like, I don't want to be the hate follow person. And I, and I was. So First of all, I've talked about Rachel and Dave Hollis on this podcast before, but for those of you who don't know, Rachel and Dave Hollis are a divorced couple. They have four children. They are they're both life coaches. I don't really, I mean, you're you're the expert. I don't really know how they got started from my understanding. Rachel is just really good at marketing. She's written a few books. Mm-hmm. And they are pretty quintessential in this world of toxic positivity of like, let me throw some positive quotes at you and like be done with it. Yeah. And so for those of you who are listening, I actually found Kia because something recently happened with Dave Hollis and I like read a news article about it and I like Googled it and Kia's YouTube channel came up and then I went down a deep dark hole. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. So yeah, um, so Kia has like many, many videos on her YouTube channel about Rachel and Dave Hollis. And again, she's so appropriate. It's more just like calling things out, trying to understand. But what is your, I, I have like so many questions. I don't know how to like make them into one. What is your (laughs) like overall view of these people in this world who are like very wealthy and very well known Mm -hmm. and like trying to spread positive, I don't even know what they're trying to do at this point, trying to coach the world. Like how, tell me more. (laughs) So I'll give you my, my, how I got involved with them. I think that kind of explains like my trajectory along with theirs. So I read Rachel Hollis's first, her first nonfiction book that was about her because she's a fiction writer before. And that's kind of part of this whole thing that Rachel tried to do a bunch of different things to, I think, kind of get her name out there, become famous. She was a book writer of fiction. She wrote about event planning. She was an event planner and she worked the way she met Dave was that she worked at Miramax back in like the early 2000s as like a secretary type and met him. And then they got married pretty quickly after that. So that's how they got together. But before she became a self-help person, she was a food blogger and kind of like a bunch of different things that were like adjacently could become like a celebrity that way, like well-known in the entertainment world. Okay. But not, she wasn't from the get-go like Mr. or Mrs. Self-Help Positivity. What she got famous for was posting a photo of herself on the beach in a bikini. And she has stretch marks from being pregnant. And she says, I wear a bikini even though I have these stretch marks. And women, mostly in the Midwest, I guess, you know, middle-aged women who share that kind of fear of going to the beach in a bikini, 
that's how she got a big fan base. Then she had her third book, which was the nonfiction book, Girl, Wash Your Face. And that's how it became such a big phenomenon because she was already a writer. She already had connections with publishing. And then she had that viral post. They gave her a deal and then she took it and went off. So, um, yeah, so she, she kind of saw where the, where the tides were turning, I guess. And then she switched. Cause she was like doing recipes when that was popular okay. on Pinterest, like making casseroles. Like when that was popular, she was doing it. And then when, you know, body positivity and like self-help was cool and becoming cool, that's when she switched gears and then did that. So I think a lot of her stuff comes from what people want. Cause mm-hmm. right now, if you follow her today, she's talking about the secret that came out in 2006 saying that it's like this new thing. That's so great. You should learn how to manifest. I'm Paulo Santoing my house right now. So she's gone from, you know, Christian self-help woman married to Dave now to, you know, woman who's divorced. I'm going to give you advice about that now, which I think is kind of crazy, but Anyway, so she goes where the popularity goes. I think that's what I mean to say. So it's not a much about like her trying to share her internal messages as much as it is about what's going to appeal to the audience. You know, how can I do that? And, so- and with Rachel, sorry, I was going to say with Rachel, I really liked her at first because she went through a really traumatic experience with her brother, who was a teenager at the time, committed suicide. And because that happened, I felt like she had authority to talk about trauma, even though she doesn't from a yeah. you know therapeutic standpoint. Mm-hmm. But I felt like, okay, she has gone through the ringer. That's a hard thing to Terrible. deal with. She was the one who found him. Oh, like wow. she talks about it in her first book. Yeah. So that's why I liked her. I said, okay, you know, that's like reason enough for me to kind of listen to what she has to say. Cause it's someone who's gone through something traumatic, Absolutely. but yeah. The longer though that I followed her, I mean, she, that happened to her as a teenager. Now she's nearly 40. Most of her life has been in a pretty privileged position. So the more that she talked, the more advice she dispensed, the more I heard about things that she was saying, I didn't agree with it as much because of her perspective. Now, I mean, she would talk about working hard is the only thing that matters. It's like, no, you know, that's part of it. Working hard is very mm-hmm. important, but you also have a husband who makes a million dollars plus at his job. So you can take risks. That's a huge thing that a lot of people who listen to her don't have. So I think it's important to be upfront about the privileges that you have. You don't have to be like apologetic for them. You don't have to say, I'm so sorry that I have a mansion that I can live in and write this book in. Mm-hmm. But I think it's important to acknowledge that that's a part of the process and the journey. And that's something that Dave and Rachel don't do enough, I think, is, is say how much they have had help from other people. They make it seem like bootstrap yourself and you will be successful. It's like, I don't agree. Why do you think so many people, why do you think they have a, such a big following? Well, I think Rachel gave herself the identity and i say that because it's changed a couple times (laughs) but when she was when she was super popular she was just like you she was a mom she had a couple kids she didn't she was honest about not really loving being a mom and i think that's something that a lot of other women didn't feel able to admit Mm -hmm. to themselves and to their families and here's this woman who is kind of proud that she wants to have a career without you know involving her children she wants to go and work and she wants to you know inspire people and i think she they saw themselves in her 
and you know, she's, she's had like pl- some plastic surgery and I think she like does, you know, maybe Botox or something, but she looks kind of like the average person. Mm-hmm. She's not, you know, glammed up and, and these like sequins ball gowns all the time. She kind of like, and I think that's on purpose to look like she, you could know her from down the street. Like, you know, oh, this woman, she does it all. How does she do it? But she, I could also emulate that if I tried hard enough. But in reality, I just don't think, I think she's living a much more privileged life than others, but she doesn't give off that vibe. So I think people think that if they take her advice, they could do what she did. If they could just find a Dave that could, you know, support them better then maybe, you know, they could also become a mega multimillionaire success story. But because I think those stories do make the news still and do garner attention. It just shows that not everyone can do it. That's why it's exceptional. That's why it's, you know, getting the attention it gets because it is rare. And I think we forget that as followers, like, yeah, the chances of this happening are slim to none. Could it happen? Yes, of course. But will it? No. And it can't happen at the scale that they go to these events and and preach it. There's thousands of, not anymore. I don't know if you saw the video about the rise conference that Rachel just did that I posted a couple months ago, but only like a hundred people came. She used to have thousands come and now it's down to like a hundred. So I think people are starting to now get more on track with like, they had their time and it's passed, but we'll see. I mean, you never know. They could have a comeback. I have no idea. You know, it's so interesting. I had a client who who I've talked about on this podcast before, I think, who was a big Rachel Hollis fan. And I would try to like, you know, shut my mouth because my opinion doesn't yeah. matter. She would come to my office and she would say, Mary Ellen, I'm doing all these things Rachel Hollis is telling me to do. I'm reading all these positive quotes. I'm following her. I'm, you know, manifesting. And, you know, I don't even know what Rachel Hollis tells you to do. And she was like, and I still feel like crap. And so yeah. finally I got to the point where I was like, you still feel like crap because that's that's a tiny, tiny sliver. Like reading positive quotes is great. That's not solving your issues. That's not doing anything. Like manifest. It makes you feel worse, I think, because you think I'm doing all these things. I'm reading these quotes and I still feel like, you know, badly about myself. It must be me even deeper than I realize. And it's like. No, it's just bad advice. (laughs) Well, and that's exactly what was happening. She was like falling deeper and deeper into a depression because she was like, Mm -hmm. why isn't this working for me? Like it worked for Rachel Hollis. And it's like, well, Rachel Hollis married a rich guy. His fortune did not come from being, being a self-help guru. He came from, you know, having, having a like corporate corporate job. Yeah. Yeah. And so I think that I, I try to encourage people to like consider the source. Like I'm going to be right about some things. I'm going to be super wrong about other things. I'm, I'm super wrong about most things. I'm right about like a few things, right? But like yeah. consider the source. And so Rachel Hollis, for those of you who don't know, her and her husband had a like a, a couples podcast where they talked mm-hmm. about like being a couple and how to be a good couple. And then June of 2020, Rachel announced or they announced that they were getting a divorce where Rachel admitted like, we've been, we've been struggling for three years or whatever. And then after that, she came out with a book that said, didn't see that coming. Now mm-hmm. I didn't read that book, but I just laugh at the title because I'm like, wait, 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 you said you've been thinking about for this for three years. And now you're saying, didn't see that coming. Like, that's just not true. And she was the one who initiated the divorce. I mean, that's really clear 
from Dave's book that um, he just wrote and came out with and has this having the whole scandal about right now, Built Through Courage, he makes it abundantly clear that he did not choose the, the divorce and he never would have chosen the divorce, that it was out of his control and that it was Rachel's choice. So she did see it coming because she was the one who decided it uh, officially. But yeah, I mean, that's the thing I think that it's so tough when it comes to social media, because we all know that it's curated, that it's the highlight reel of someone's life. And even though they say they, they are having an exceptional marriage, meanwhile, they could be fighting every single day, hating each other's guts, but because they need to say that they're an authority for you to buy their stuff, you can't really trust what they say because it's social media and it's their job. So if they right. have the incentive to put food on the table for them and their family, it's in their best interest to lie to you. And that's where I think that people are unwilling because it's social media. They're still unwilling to realize if you see a billboard that says best chicken sandwich ever, you can kind of see that and go, well, maybe, but obviously they're saying that because they need to sell the chicken sandwich. If you see a post on Instagram that says, I love my hubby so much. We're the best. You might not see it the same way as like, well, they need to sell their book. So like, of course they're going to say that you think like, wow, they really do have an exceptional marriage. Look at mine. It sucks. Ugh. Uh, and then you go down the hole of like despair. But oh my I gosh, think I love that analogy. Thank you. But I think it's not clear yet, you know, especially for older population too, that I think are a lot of this. And I think it gets forgotten that people who didn't grow up with the internet are the big consumers right now of self-help. They're going mm -hmm. on these Instagram pages and they're sharing stuff on Facebook that, you know, might seem goofy to us, people who've like lived in the internet age and kind of can see like what's fake and what's not, but they don't see it the same way. They see, they see everything on the internet as truth. And so they're sharing it and, and buying these books, not even having the same like skeptical mindset. So the younger generation may be more skeptical, maybe. The older ones are not skeptical enough, nearly enough. And then there's people in the middle that like, I don't know, maybe it's true, maybe it's not. Like, it's like, we're not quite grasping these concepts yet as a, as a whole. I had a student, this is a little off topic, but the point brings it back. I had a student who recently I was teaching about dissociative identity disorder and she mm. raised her hand and she said, I saw on TikTok and I interrupted her and I said, stop right there. Don't ever say that to me again. <laughs> and she was like, but this person that I follow on TikTok has dissociative identity disorder. Maybe and I said do. that, I said, that may very well be true, but you will, you have no way of knowing if that's true. We have literally mm -hmm. no way of knowing if that's true. So that is not using critical thinking. Like, yeah. you remember being in college and having, like, peer-reviewed journal articles and citing your sources and da-da-da-da. And I feel like we need to, like, give the world, like, a lesson around that. It's like, hey, remember. Because yeah. I think, too, that, like, people – like you said, people are trying to, like – make money and feed their families. And there's nothing wrong with that. Like, in a way, it pains me to say this, but in a way, Rachel Hollis, like, changing her identity so many times is kind of brilliant. Like, she's trying to mm -hmm. keep up with trends. And that's her job is to keep up with trends. And yeah. so she was doing that. And so I think being able to recognize that, like, it is, like, a business. And that's okay that it's a business. But that doesn't mean that this is, like, the gospel. 
Yeah. And I think it, it, it ties nicely into MLM, which is multi-level marketing companies like the Monates and the Herbalife and the Beachbody people you see on your Facebook page saying like, hey, girl, you want to join my, my team? It would be really fun to you look amazing. Like you should join my team. The incentive there is not to make you feel good about yourself. The incentive is to say, join my team so I can get paid because I've invested money into this and I need to get my return. So bringing you on helps me do that. But it's not clear because it's it's in this new wave of social media promotion that it doesn't say, you know, underneath in small print on your Instagram post that, you know, results are very unlikely because <laughs> we're in this wild, wild west where it's like, you know, your friend from high school is now all of a sudden like promoting a company that they're not actually employed by. And that's where I think, again, the government or some sort of body should step in and start to regulate this type of stuff because it's it's getting out of control. And I think we're seeing it on a, not to get political, but we're seeing the repercussions of unfiltered information coming out on social media. People are showing up to witness, you know, reincarnations of celebrities, like in very large numbers. Really? You can see that in Dallas. Oh yeah. No. There was no. like probably a thousand people in Dallas wanting to see JFK return from the dead because they saw it on the online and oh, people God. were coming. That's the thing. It's like, Yes, all this is like silly and all this is like funny to, to watch and, and see if it stays on the internet. But when it starts to now transfer into real life, people are getting in their car and driving somewhere to do something that is based on like an internet joke. That's when I go, oh my God, we're in trouble because that's how this all starts. And it's just like one post that says, you know, pull up your bootstraps and be positive turns into now this whole other thing where all your life savings is gone because you bought life coaching for $10 million. It happens, you know, and it's like just one little thing that gets you in. And then all of a sudden you're stuck. I mean, that's what cults are all about. Yep. And, and one thing too, I'll say about, about that is no one thinks they're the evil one. Everyone that has their own perspective thinks they're the hero of the story. There's not two sides. There's everyone thinks they're the hero and everyone thinks the other side's the bad guy. So we're all living in this like place where we think every thought we have is the right one because we thought it. And that's such an unhealthy place mixed in with an algorithm that confirms those feelings. So, you know. I don't know it's what to do. Word. I wish I had the solutions. <laughs> I wish I did too. I, I do want to say thing, one thing about MLMs. So this is my ego and I totally know this is my ego getting in the way because, you know, I've done a lot of work on my ego. But one of one of the things that drives me the most crazy about MLMs, I own a therapy practice. I have therapists that work for me. I have an office manager. Like it's, it's a business. It's a PLLC. Mm -hmm. It's a business. And... I have have people who run MLMs who are like, oh, I totally get what it's like being an entrepreneur. Like I, I, I sell M Monet, right? Is that yeah, the hell yeah. stuff? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, we're we're boss we're boss babes together, and I'm like, oh my god, yeah, it's so different because it's almost like like play pretend, like like you're playing house, you know, people like are dating and they're living together. They're trying to see if marriage would work. It's almost the same thing. It's like, you're not really an entrepreneur because the whole point of being an entrepreneur is taking a huge risk where it's like, you have to provide for yourself on your own, you know, accolades and, and drive. 
But when it comes to MLM, you know, they do all that stuff for you. And a lot of times it's a side job for a lot of these women and men who do it. It's like, it's not the same. You don't have the same pressures when you're in an MLM as you do as a regular entrepreneur. You're not filing, you know, your taxes through an LLC. You might be, but that's like a rare case. You're an independent contractor. It's almost saying you're an Uber driver. Therefore, I run my own business. It's like, Maybe, but you're not, you're working for a company as a contractor. That's what it really is. But part right. of the appeal is that you can, the company has given you permission to say that you own your own company. And that's why people are doing it because they feel like, yeah, I'm an entrepreneur. I get, you know, I can now, you know, understand all these like entrepreneurial things that are cool to care about now. And it's like, it's like, to me, I don't know. It's cringy to me and it's almost sad because it's like, they think they're doing it and they're not, you know? So, so this is, so I used to work in chemical dependency, um, counseling mm-hmm. and it was wonderful and scary and amazing through doing that. I learned a lot about Alcoholics Anonymous and Narcotics Anonymous. And it's a, it's a wonderful group. If anyone is struggling or knows anyone's struggling, like reach out to AA or NA it's, it's wonderful, but like an AA term, they have some of like their own like terms that Lingo. they use. One of them is radical honesty, where they talk all the time about radical honesty. Like, it's not enough to just be honest. We have to, like, be so radically honest that we are looking at the good, bad, ugly of everything we do. And I feel like just as we're talking, um, that term kept coming up in my brain Hmm. of, like, radical honesty. And, like, I admire everyone who goes to therapy because one thing I do as a therapist is I try to challenge people to be honest with themselves. And that's a really hard thing to do. And I try to be honest with myself and I fail a lot of the time and sometimes I succeed and learn from it. And I feel like we are, like, missing that part of, like, being radically honest with what's going on, with what we need, with understanding why we're why we're aligning. Like I just said just now, like, oh, I know that I'm trying to be honest with myself. I know it's my ego that I don't like it when these MLM people say, you know, that they're entrepreneurs. Mm-hmm. That's not really about them. That's about me. And I think yeah. that the more we can preach about like that kind of like self-awareness piece of it and that, I don't know, I feel like that might help people to understand like why we're learning the information we're learning, internalizing it the way we're internalizing, right? Like why is TikTok like pushing you with certain stuff and pushing me with other stuff? (laughs) Like there's reasons to that. Well, I think it comes down to admitting that we're all vulnerable. And I think a Mm -hmm. lot of people don't want to do that. They want to have, and I say they as if I don't, but I also want, you know, to feel like I'm in control of everything at all times. And I think when it comes down to it, we have little to no control for, you know, the big things in life. Like if a car is going to hit me down the road, I have some control, but I'm not ultimately going to be able to, you know, escape it if it happens, you know, or if I have a illness or something, maybe I could prevent, you know, by not smoking cigarettes, but if it's going to happen, it's going to happen. So there's, there's a, you know, there's a balance to it, but I think admitting that, TikTok is programmed to sell me things and trick me into believing that this is the reality is hard for people because they enjoy it. I enjoy Mm -hmm. it. You know, it's hard to admit that, you know, if I hear someone speak 
for enough hours in my day, I may be tempted to now go join the cult that they, they lead, but it's possible, you know, (laughs) and admitting that, that you are just as susceptible to that as the guy next to you is hard because you want to think like, nope, that can't happen to me. It won't happen to me because I'm smart. It's like the world is programmed against you. Yeah, it's programmed to make you buy. It's programmed to make you do things that you may not, you know, want to do ultimately, but you think you do because you've been tricked into it. And but but admitting that means that you don't have as much control, and then therefore that could bring on a whole other bout of anxiety that you didn't want to feel. So it's like, again, like what is worse, like believing that you control your destiny by your thoughts, or believing that you don't control anything at all times. It's like, I don't know. That's the line you got to figure out. And I've said that a couple of times during this podcast, but like finding the balance between the Mm -hmm. both of them, you know, protecting yourself would also be understanding that. Yeah. I don't, I don't know everything. And I'm, I am vulnerable as as a human. And I feel like, I feel like you just kind of answered this question. Um, but I wanted to, as we're wrapping up, like, obviously this podcast is all striving to be okay-ish. Like, I don't want any of my clients to be empowered because being empowered all the time is not realistic. Do I want us to have that feeling sometimes when we can? Absolutely. But as life, we're all just like, okay-ish. And so, how to to kind of end this? Can you share? Can you be vulnerable and share how you're just okay-ish and that's okay? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> end the podcast right there. <laughs> sure. I mean, I'm definitely okay-ish and even less so okay most days, to be honest. But the one thing I will say that I feel like I've accomplished well in the last two years where I've really, I got into therapy. I go, I went once a week. It works so well. I go twice a week now. So (laughs) that's where I'm at. But the one thing I've been working on and I feel like I've, I've been successful for the most part is figuring out what my core values are, what I will put up with, what I won't put up with. And, and, and mostly it's not even like with other people and how they treat me, but what I want to do for myself. And even if it's, scary, like having a YouTube channel that has alternative views perhaps to some, um, or not super positive when I was previously a very positive, you know, toxic positivity person, but changing that and being okay with that is the biggest thing. So being okay with people that I want to really like me, not like me as much because of my beliefs. And that's the hardest thing. So I think I'm doing okay ish with that, even though it's hard. And that and, is so hard. That yeah. is so hard. Uh, yeah. And then the rest is like, I'm figuring out as I go. I don't know. I mean, I try my best as long as I am, you know, able to live in my house, which we do. We have an, uh, like a nice home that we rent, my fiance and I, and we're good. You know, we have food on the table. Like that's all I'm really striving for now while I'm going through this kind of transformative process and just being okay with with not being accepted by everybody. That's the hardest thing. Because I used to want to be loved, beloved by everyone, but then- Who doesn't? Who doesn't? Yeah. It's being okay with getting those comments that are like, I didn't like this one, or you know, you weren't you weren't hard enough on them, or you were too hard. Like I would always want to appeal to all of those people. And now it's like reading it and being okay with like, that person out there may not like me, but that's okay. And that's okay-ish. Absolutely. <laughs> Thank you so much for coming on. So you can find Kia so on 
you tell it because I might mess it up. <laughs> sure. I just got an Instagram, so that's new. So Key is World, YT, so YouTube uh, on Instagram. I have a Twitter, Key is World. So it's K-E-Y-A-S, like Key, Us, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> not like the key of the car, but key like in your key lock. In, that's on Twitter, Key is World. And then on YouTube, if you go to youtube.com slash Key is World, K-E-Y-A-S World, you can find all my videos there. And now I've s- started doing less client work and focusing more on YouTube. So there should be more <gasps> videos coming more often. Cool. I'm excited. I'm excited. And we'll link it all in the show notes. So thank you so much for being here with us. And I can't wait to see the more stuff you come up with and how you continue to share your opinions with being okay with other people not agreeing. Thank you. I really appreciate it. This is really fun. Thanks. Disclaimer. This podcast is produced for your universal listening pleasure. Any statements shared during our program are opinions and experiences of our team and guests. If you disagree with any content presented herein, please find another show before submitting nasty grams. This is a positive vibes only platform. If you love our show and want to connect, share your experiences, or know someone who we should interview on future episodes, please don't hesitate to get in touch through our website or Instagram. Thanks for listening to this program brought to you by Daydreamer Network. If you enjoyed the episode, please don't forget to rate and review on Apple Podcasts or your preferred platform. Your feedback allows us to rank on the best new shows list and continue to grow our podcasts in order to bring more unique and talented storytellers to the network. To check out our shows, including programs about relationships, sports, business, nutrition, leisure, and more, head to www.daydreamernetwork.com. We look forward to seeing you back next week for another great episode. Have a wonderful day.